Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call. To join Allworth's Money Matters, call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome to All Worth's Money Matters. I'm Scott Hansen. I'm Pat McLean. Yeah, this is a financial program. We talk about financial matters. Uh, we're both financial advisors, have been doing this a long time, and like to talk about uh, doing some things that will help you with your finances. Love taking your calls, answering questions you might have regarding a variety of different planning moves. Because having... St- It's interesting, and I know you've gotten this a lot too, Pat. People say, Pat, hey, thanks so much. The longtime clients, I couldn't have done this without you. I, this is, you like, and it, well, no, first of all, you did the hard work. The hard work is saving the money. We just organize <laughs> it in the most efficient way we possibly can. But that's also really important. Correct. <laughs> right? I mean, it's two things that need to, to happen. One is the discipline to save, delayed gratification, and saying, I'm going to forgo this particular purchase or that particular purchase. Uh, and the second is um, having the right kind of plan. So it's interesting. I, over the New Year's, we we spent uh, the New Year's in Newport Beach. Wow. California, Los Angeles area. Swanky. Did you, you know, know you can rent ravaged places in Newport <laughs> I know, Beach? I know. But my point is, did you go to the Gucci store? Is that kind of a place that has like the oh, Gucci yeah. stores? Versace? Oh, yeah. All that. I, I mean, I didn't go shopping. But they have all that. Oh. And um, the cars down there, like Rolls-Royce SUVs, Bentley SUVs, Maserati SUVs. There are so many nice cars down there. And what are they, what are they piling in the back of these SUVs that they need that much space in the car? <laughs> I just want to know. <laughs> and if you spend 500 grand on a Rolls-Royce SUV, are you really going to take it up to Mammoth and throw the skis on top? Where are you going in this? I'm just curious. Because I, this morning, I, this morning, actually, um, had a bunch of uh, material. I replaced all the fluorescent lights in my garage with uh, LEDs. It looks like an operating room now, by the way. <laughs> my wife. You did so, it yourself? Yeah. Yeah, I did it myself. And, uh, and I... I'm going to the office, so I'm like, oh, I'll just throw all the stuff in the back of the SUV. You made sure no light fell on your Maserati or your Ferrari while you're doing that, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so Pat my, no my point, I have a, an old SUV, but I pile the stuff. If I had a Rolls-Royce SUV, <laughs> I, I would probably wouldn't but have it's a- so I mean, it's so, like in the G-Wagon, those like Mercedes G-Wagon things, oh, yeah. and they're all the... the it's, they're all like the most expensive... All of them are like... It's so interesting down there, and... And I was looking at some guy driving by, and he was not very old. Um, and what I mean is, like, sometimes you see guys that are 75 or whatever, and like, all right. And I thought, I wonder if this guy can really afford this car. Or is he a crypto bro? Okay, <laughs> crypto bro. <laughs> but my point is, if you've got plenty of assets and you want to blow 500 grand on a Rolls Royce SUV, all the more power to you, right? Um, and most people aren't looking at five hundred, but a hundred and fifty thousand dollar car, a hundred thousand dollar car, fifty like it's all kind of real, but good for you. But if you can't, and I was kind of looking as I'm looking around, like how many of these people can really afford these cars? How many are here? big hat no cattle? Well, that's de- I mean Newport Beach. It is 
it is so showy down there. It's right next to uh, Hollywood, is it not? Or no, 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 no. It's it's uh, in in Orange County, South oh. Orange County, north of Laguna Beach. Okay. I anything uh, south of the grapevine is all <laughs> Disneyland to me. <laughs> It's got to be one of the showy. It's probably it's, I get, my guess is Beverly Hills Rodeo Drive is all the kind of the same kind of thing, but um, I've never been to a Gucci store or Versace. And if I live a good life, I never will. I never okay. will. <laughs> I'm sure there's probably some listeners that uh, have good for Gucci. them. Yeah, whatever. What I don't know what my point was on this. Uh, I think it it. It really came. I just it was, are all of our views on money, and money is a strange thing. Like it gives us options, and there's some people that oh, well, wealthy people are just greedy or whatever. But like, there's something to be said about having some financial resources and some security, so that you can be the best version of yourself. Gives you that flexibility, that option. It's pretty hard to have uh, peace in your life when you're worried about how you're going to make your rent payment. That is, yes. Or how you're going to pay for your grocery bills or how do which I utility s- is going to be shut off this month because you have to choose between the water or the electricity. Um, and so it's, it's, I think it's really important to find ways to get beyond that and have some financial security and ideally get to a point in life where you've got enough financial security so that your work is an option and not an obligation. Uh, but then be, beyond that, there are lots of different viewpoints on what wealth is, what money is, what's the purpose of it. You, you know, so, so Scott, you bring back um, memories. M- my wife and I are actually celebrating our 38th anniversary this week. Um, and uh, we bought tires for our first anniversary and we bought the wedding pictures. We paid for the wedding pictures on our second anniversary. Right. And you're thinking, you know, right. Is it, it was like that, that was, that was the way it was. Right. That, that was the way it was. It was like, it wasn't either good or bad. It's just what it was. And you had to be as responsible with the money as you possibly could. And the wedding pictures were a luxury and the tires were a need. Um, yeah, because um, anyway. But when you get past that, there are those that want the Rolls Royce SUV, apparently. And there's, if you find, I mean, you listen, if you listen to the show long enough, <laughs> I don't think anyone's called us with a Rolls Royce SUV. No, no, no. But I wouldn't mind driving a one once just to see what it feels like. Really? I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't be, I'd be embarrassed to be seen. Why, why don't you go to Newport Beach and pretend you're going to buy one? All right, so full transparency. In the year 2000, maybe it was, ni- maybe it was 99. Oh, I, I know where you're going with this. I remember maybe, this. Maybe it was 90. It was right around that. I had a, I bought a Porsche convertible. Carre- Porsche Carrera convertible. Used? Bought it used. Um, like a dream car? Is it like your dream car? People have dream cars. I'm, I, I don't know. I'm not. I don't really guy. have it. No, I, I have no sports car now. Okay. <laughs> it's my one foray into sports car. Oh, I had a second one for a while. That was a mistake. They were both mistakes for me, personally. But I remember having the car. It was a convertible port. It was a beautiful car. But um, I, I remember p- pulling up to a light one day on the tops down, and I look over next to me, and it was this couple that we knew from our church that were always struggling financially. 
completely struggling. You knew that. I knew that about them. There's just some people that, for whatever reason, their their whole life is that. And um, I just felt, fu- <laughs> I'm just being transparent. I felt funny sitting in my Porsche convertible. Did um, you feel elitist? Why am I elitist? The oh, no, no, you're, no. <laughs> I'm joking. Um, well, it felt, it felt like I was trying to show something when I, that wasn't my objective. I had the car less than a year. My wife hated it. She's like, I'm only going to ride oh, it if you can promise I'm not seeing it. I drove her. in it twice. I hated it as well, but I never said anything. <laughs> I felt like I was driving around in a, in a, uh, those little sco- scooters you drive at the racetrack, so go karts. So you got rid of it. Well, the final straw was we, we drove up to Lake Tahoe. We went to a marriage conference in Tahoe, and I talked her into taking the Porsche. Uh-huh. And we're speeding up the Highway 80 to go to Tahoe. Uh-huh. And nearing the summit, um, I'm like, wow, this this really rough road here, which happens because of the winter chains and the trucks and all that. And uh, my wife says, your tire, and points, and my tire, you, you get a picture of the big wheel on the back of a Porsche, right? Really wide, low-profile kind of tire. The tire had, I guess, become flat. That I didn't realize. That's why I was. Oh, that's <laughs> There's that. The tire had broken off the sidewall and had come a- across the car and had was literally passing us uh-huh. on the freeway. I've never heard this story. Yeah, if I did, I don't remember. No, literally passing us. My your tire. Oh, holy crap! So I pull over. Like that can't be good. So I pull over, and sure enough, the tire's completely gone. Fortunately, there was a little rubber still from the tire, so my rim wasn't damaged. And now I'm looking at the car like, does this car have a spare? Because that's a big old wheel. So I get the, and I noticed, yes, in the glove box, it says there's an inflatable spare. I'm like, well, it's not going to be like, now, even if I could figure out how to get this thing off, there's no, the only place to put the wheel would be in the passenger seat, which means my wife would have to, you know, get out of the car or something. So I had to call a tow truck. They didn't, and I had to call a flatbed tow truck. Then they had to tow it. It was such a pain in the butt. And did Valerie say, I told you so? No, she's a better wife than that. <laughs> she, that's funny. She didn't need to say anything. <laughs> I know. You're just like, <laughs> I think I got I'm rid of it this. a week later. Yeah, I'm like, I'm eating this. Anyway, but this is a financial show. Let's, uh, and we take calls, by the way. Did we give our number out already? Yeah, if you'd like to be part of our program, uh, 833-99-WORTH. By the, by the way. I have no problem with people. We've got clients who've got nice cars and all that stuff. Like, I have no problem with any of that stuff. We all, and my, I think my original point was we all kind of value something different from money. And for some, it's, some don't even really enjoy their assets at all. They don't know how to. And some of it's out of an insecurity that they keep accumulating more and more and more. There's two sides of the. Yeah. And Scott, you know, I have a client, he's, Pretty frugal, but um, quite wealthy, but likes real estate. And in his mid-70s, he owned four homes. And when I would meet with him, he would talk about the homes. And I I said to him, you know. Four, like, personal residences? Yes, yeah. So uh, two vacation homes and two personal residences. And I said to him, Every time I met with him for about two years, he would talk about the repairs and what a pain in the butt was and this and that. First thing I thought when you said he goes on, and I said to him, "You know, you no longer own your stuff. Your stuff owns you. You no longer own these homes. These homes no longer serve you. You serve these homes." And I said, 
you need to come to the record. I said, in my opinion, right? You're spending valuable time in your 70s taking care of an asset that you no longer doesn't love you back. Yeah, but it, the house doesn't know you own it, <laughs> right? And he over we put a plan over a, a three year period to get rid of three of those houses and to buy a small vacation home, something that's small, condo, easy to take care of. Uh, but it took us three years. It first of all it took him the realization that that he was consuming lots of his energy on things that the return wasn't there. And then it took us three years to actually dispose of the assets and get him to where he could actually enjoy. Right. Cause what's the point? I mean, what's the point of owning the home to so you tell people you own a home. Well, and, and then you say, well, maybe I'll just hire someone to manage them. Well, then you got to manage those people and they yeah. quit and they get sick and all those other issues yes, happen yes, too. Yes. There was an article in the, this is the wall street journal years ago. Uh, it was a couple and they highlighted this particular woman. Um, her her full-time job was, I think they had five residences, all in like one in Park City and one wherever they fancy. And I think she was like brag, showing off her lifestyle or something. But all of her time was spent on, you know, getting the, a new couch or making sure that the plants are being properly watered. And I'm reading this thing, and and the more I read it, the, the less attractive this person became to me. I mean, I just, I'm like... Is this really what you want to give your life to? I mean, of all things to... But maybe they did. Obviously, they did. Maybe I shouldn't be judging. Judge how I live, but maybe I shouldn't try judging. Anyway, if you want to be a part of our program, 833-99-WORTH is the number. 833-99-WORTH. Let's go now to Noah. Noah, you're with All Worth's Money Matters. Hey there. How are you doing, guys? Thanks for having me. We're good. How are you doing, Noah? Not too bad. Another day in paradise. I am uh, down here in... Sunny South Florida. It's a little cold right now, but I'm doing my best to enjoy it. And that. what is a little cold in South Florida in January? Uh, <laughs> uh, well, right now it's in the it's in the 50s and 60s, but next week we're going to see some some 20s and 30s. So oh wow, I'm it excited is cold. for that. I don't know about uh, I don't know about my uh, fellow Floridians here, but <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward. Well, at to least that. the iguanas won't be crawling all over the place when it's cold. No, um, that it's funny. I heard you guys talking about uh, luxury vehicles. Funny, funny story for you. A long time ago, I used to work for a guy who had a Lamborghini Aventador and beautiful car. Um, and you know, he the company was. Down What's there a Aventador? Is that a? Yeah, it's a Lamborghini. They don't make them anymore. They're oh, they're just man. the creme de la creme, seven hundred thousand dollar vehicle, fully loaded. It's pretty oh, sweet. But uh, he uh, he kept it in Boca Raton, and Boca Raton. Uh, has about as many iguanas as it does senior citizens. <laughs> so during, I'm a commu- I'm I'm a funny guy, by the way. Okay, <laughs> well, thanks for telling yeah. us. All right, and and super attractive <laughs> and modest. Oh yeah, but uh, one, one winter an iguana fell right out of a tree, right onto the hood of his Aventador, and it was it was quite the. Uh... <laughs> oh, How nice of you to tie those two things together. My statement about iguanas, and then our talk about yeah, automobiles. Yeah. That was really really graceful. Okay, so what can we do for you? Did it do any damage to the? Um... A Vanator? A Vanator? No, no, no. It, it it didn't do any damage, but he and I were he and I and a couple of the other team leads were outside, you know, enjoying the nice weather, having a discussion and uh, about twenty feet away we hear a nice loud clunk. And uh the car was fine. It was it was just it you had to be there. It was so fun. So so uh, for those that aren't aware of this, in parts of South Florida 
They're overrun with iguanas. And because they're warm-blooded animals, when it when it has a when no, it has a, when when it has a chill when it gets down there, the iguanas literally fall from the trees. Like you'll be walking down the street and they're just dropping. Anyway, it's absolutely true. Yes. So, all right. What's your question for us? So, I this is kind of a I don't I don't know how much time you guys have, but I'm a little bit of a conundrum here. I uh, I, I long story short, I had been I had been left. Of, not a massive inheritance, but really, you know, an okay sized inheritance. Um, and I have a little bit of questions because I feel like I'm being given misinformation. I may even be getting lied to. Um, From someone in the hard. financial industry? Come on. That oh, never yeah. happens. We have such <laughs> oh, a great sure. reputation. Well earned. <laughs> I, you know, it, it, it kind of is what it is. I, you know, I. So just to kind of give you guys backstory, my, my grandparents come from, you know, a good bit of money. Um, you know, they, they, they come, they came from a different generation, a different time where, you know, maybe you could trust a lot more people. Long story short, my grandfather, um, got hit with some kind of an ad for a financial advisor doing, you know, Ted talks at the airport Hilton. Then he went and, you know, here down here in South Florida, you know, you could, you could, a lot of, you can, ne- you can time, go and never, you never have to pay for a meal if you don't want to. Cor- gonna, correct. And, you know, I think that, you know, he was, I don't want to say he was conned into it, but I think he was definitely roped into something that he didn't fully understand. And I think that, um, he, he might've trusted this guy a little too much simply because we're, we're from the same clan, so to speak. Okay. Um, so just to use, you know, just to kind of set up again, a little bit of the backstory. Um, I am one of the beneficiaries of a trust. Um, my mother is the what's the word for it? Well, she's the um, trustee, she's the executor. Yeah, she is the trustee. She is the main, the, the primary, whatever it is. And, and forgive me, I don't have all the terminology. Okay. Well, we understand. So your mother's the trustee of the trust, and is she a beneficiary of the trust as well? Yes, she is. Okay. And this was from um, your grandparents. Correct. Okay. Okay. And the grandparents now, still alive? No. This is this. They. Um, my grandfather passed before my grandmother, um, and my grandmother was let's just say a very unusual person and okay. she wanted to do things in a very unusual way and okay. you know here we are okay so just to use round numbers i want to say that there's you know the total of trust is worth in the neighborhood of eight eight hundred to 850 okay now i do have an aunt and uncle they have a special needs son and because of that special needs language there is a lot of complications uh, as far as the distribution of the trust is concerned. So, so so, the, so everything went into one trust trying to deal with everyone from Noah to the one with special needs. Correct. And how many, ben, how many beneficiaries of the trust are there? A total of four. Okay. Um, and I, and it, you know, the way I look at it is it is my grandparents. Well, I, I don't, want any more money than I am being given. I, you know, I, 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 rec- I recognize that the way they have it set up is for the most part fair. Okay. Um, now where I'm starting to get into some complications is for starters, my aunt and uncle are suing the trust because they do not feel that because of it was written in a special needs language, they will actually not be really receiving um, truthfully very much or any of this money the way it is set up right now. So the way I'm told a special needs trust works in this instance is where um, they would have to submit 
uh, receipts to the to my mother, and she would have to then approve a monthly budget for them to basically receive money the way that an annuity would be distributed. Uh-huh. Um, they don't like that. They're suing the trust. That kind of is what it is. Um, you know, it, win, win or lose, it's it's it doesn't help because it all it all it all just hurts the trust. There's nothing I That's can right. do about that. That's right. That's right. That's right. Now. When I speak to the financial advisor who my grandfather hired in 1980-whenever, um, he, I feel like, is utilizing a combination of manipulation and scare tactics to accomplish a couple of things, I think. And, I'm tr- and this is really what I'm trying to find out. Okay. So the majority of this money, about 450000 of it, to use round numbers, is tied up in a Lincoln financial account. Um, there's also a mass mutual, there's an MFS, there's an ocean view and actually a mass mutual odyssey. Are all um, of these annuities? Um, or, let's see <clears throat> a couple, a couple of them are, I think two of them are, um, the, the two smaller ones, I believe are annuities because okay. they, they set it up. So that way, so that they couldn't touch the bulk of the money. They can only touch the smaller, the smaller accounts as, as annuities. That okay, well that's garbage. But okay, keep going. <laughs> I try I'm with. I trust me. That I, is just I, that's I just that set. that is just complete crap. I know. I know. Because I know. So, and the reason is the investments have nothing to do with the liquidity of the trust. That's right. It's I all about the trust document. They, they have You're nothing right. to do with the liquidity of the trust. Okay, so keep going. So yeah. Oh, oh there's more. So um. I'm trying to think where to pick up from. You, next. you know so, what? You, you know what? You, you know what you need to do. Talk to me. You need to go and actually hire a professional trustee and get your mom removed from this. Ask so her to. to I, I to, don't. I don't disagree. Part of the problem is is that that I feel like there's some liquid cash involved that I I don't necessarily. I'm not necessarily prepared right this second to to put up. And also, I don't really know no, where to be. No, 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 no. The trust pays for the trustee. So even even part of that, like I'd rather con- like I know it sounds odd. My, so my mother was a contract negotiator for United Health. I, you know, she's very I okay. Think, qualified. Yeah, she's very qualified in my opinion to actually be the. Now, trustee. Why is the problem with the mom being the trustee, Pat? Well, because of the uh, the suit from the the lawsuit, uh, the lawsuit from the aunt and uncle, and, it is and, a lot of work. And and this is a lawsuit oh. on 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 a relatively small trust. Yeah, yeah. Attorneys' so fees can they get pretty so, large. So I will admit we do have an attorney. Um, I, I I like our attorney. He's okay. Okay. Um, but I also have nothing to compare it to. Um, so for the moment, I'm content with my legal services. I'm really, yeah, you know, yeah. I, don't, I don't know that a hired trustee is necessarily the move for me. Right. What I'm trying to really figure out is that. Yeah, how can we help of, you? I'm curious. No, yeah, I, no, I, I get it. I get it. So where, so where I'm trying to get is that most of this money is tied up in a Lincoln financial account. Now, my my financial advisor is trying to tell me that if I were to liquidate, remove, transfer, do anything outside of Lincoln financial, I would be taxed heavily. Um, the account is set up so that I can't withdraw anything until I'm 59 penalty free. It's an annuity. And it's an annuity. Fee, correct. An annuity. So between the penalties and the taxes, it's it's not worth it for me to cash. But it when out. you say when you say you, you right? Isn't it in the trust? Isn't it in the trust? Yes, but I'm a I'm a, bene, a, a beneficiary, so I'm entitled to should I choose to distribute it. You can't because um, there's there's it's tied to someone's life. Who's the annuitant? On? Yeah, who's the annuitant? As far as I, I don't, I don't think that's even set up yet. Oh, it has to be. You can't open an annuity without an annuitant. Well, an annuity has an was, owner, an annuitant, well, and a beneficiary. So I'm, I'm looking at 
basically a printout of my investment portfolio right now. And to the far left, it says that everything is in my grandmother's name. Um, and I, I have account names. Okay, well, this is look, look, this goes back to my original. You need to hire a third-party trustee. And, okay. the, and the reason is, look, the, your mother is acting as a fiduciary on this trust to the benefit of the beneficiaries, including your aunt and uncle and the special needs child and yourself. And regardless of what your mother did for a living, um, she is not acting like the 59 and a half that had to do with, first of all, if it was if someone passed away, it's regardless of the age, there's no 10% so, so, penalty. So your, your mother, and it's only applies to the annuitant, not the, to the beneficiary. Under, so your mother actually may have some exposure to a lawsuit. Okay. Yeah, that's that's a fair point. No, no, no. I'm I'm, I'm telling you flat out. Who, who put no, the no, who, who put point. the money yeah. in the annuity? That, so these were all investments that my grandparents did okay. with their financial advisor. Well, that's actually if they you don't have enough visibility into this, and your mother doesn't understand it well enough, and you don't have a qualified financial I advisor totally agree giving with. you that information. Well, so that, that it, I agree with. It, I, I think the guy who I'm dealing with is an absolute clown. Th there's no question. There, there is no question. <laughs> Just based on what you've said. The, the little yeah, you've I mean, shared with, but here's what, if, if but you, you have, you, how do you have, comp, how do you, you have a copy of this annuity with Lincoln? A statement so of that? I have a, I have a copy of basically like the broadest possible overview of the investment. Yeah. See, yeah, here, so right. here, if you it's came into my office, if your right. mother came into my office, your mother, not you, you're right. the beneficiary. I'm worried about your mother. And she came into my office and she said, okay, I've got this and this is what my investment advisor is doing. And by the way, I think I'm being sued by my sister and her husband or my brother and his wife or my brother and his husband, whoever the heck. And I would say, look, you have exposure here. You have a fiduciary obligation to make sure that these monies are being managed appropriately. And from what you've told me so far, Noah, you're not mm -hmm. even close. And by the right. way, it removes your mother's responsibility to act as a fiduciary if she hires a fiduciary to manage it, which means, which which actually gives she her more be protection. The, she could be the trustee and have a still remain as trustee and have a fiduciary manager. And and then the brother-in-law or sister-in-law come and sue, and she says, "Look, sue all you want. Show me what I'm doing wrong. Here's a professional fiduciary that is actually abiding by the rules of the trust." And the trustee, the trust, the fiduciary, right? So you've got a trustee. She's going to hire a third-party trustee, and she's going to hire a fiduciary. I'd hire them both. I'd remove myself as far from this trust as I possibly could if I yeah, were your mom. Okay. There's nothing okay. to win. Nothing. She's got nothing no, in no, I, I, well, Yeah, she, I, she's not – you know, her, her, her benefit isn't, you know, she, there's no good day for her in court. That, That's just that, not, well, I, I, there's we no are, good day. There's no good day for her to actually even – if you play her a copy of this podcast and say, Hey, I, I call these two jokers oh, out in Calif I can, California. I can, I can call her in right now if you want to. Chat. Oh, I don't want to. No, 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 no. I'm sure she's a lovely lady. Yeah. Your mom is very, very nice, but, but you got to start at ground zero. You got to start at ground zero. You're a funny guy. You're right. You've got to hire a professional trustee and have that professional trustee hire a fiduciary. And you're not going to look anything like the portfolio to have. And then your aunt and uncle get to fight with the trustee about whether the distributions are being done right. 
I, I would just do it and remove your your mom from it completely. Just hire a trustee. It's done. No, that, that, no that's that's an interesting idea. I, I, uh, I don't, it's the I only know. way I'd go. In fact, I, I actually, if you came in, your mom came in my office and didn't hire a, a professional trustee and I would act as the fiduciary, I wouldn't work with her, quite frankly. Interesting. Just wouldn't. And we're fiduciaries. Okay. No, I'd act as a fiduciary on this account, but there's no way I'd allow your mother, I would act as a fiduciary if your mother was the trustee. Just because so, she's exposing herself to so much garbage, it's awful. Yeah, I understand. So, so anyway, let's, so loss. Let's put all the lawsuit stuff aside. I, that kind of is what I, I can't even control it. Here's the other that's thing, right. Too, you have no control over it. Necessarily, I have no control over it, and, and neither does my mother. Nor do you have any control over the investments. Correct. Right. Well, as it stands right now. Now, at a certain. Nor point, should no. you. No, no, tell no, them, tell the money's yeah, distributed I, to you. As long as the trust so has, I, you I, have I, no I control. It, Right. So I, it's not my goal to sit here and have control over the money. I'm not a professional investor. I, you know, it's just not, not my interest, but I do very much want to get away from my financial advisor. And at some point in order to do so, I'm going to have to close these Lincoln financial accounts. No, that's, you're not. No, no, that's, that's the fiduciary's problem. That's the fiduciary's problem. You have no right to that annuity. That has nothing to do with it's you. It's got nothing to do with it. It's all about your mother. So your mother hires a trustee. And the trustee okay. actually reads the trust and says, okay, this is how the trust is written. These are how the dollars are distributed. They're the administrator of the trust. The trustee then goes and hires a fiduciary to manage the assets. And the okay. trustee and the fiduciary so are two different people. So we have trust these professional mm-hmm. trustees where we manage assets as fiduciaries for them. We don't actually care how the money is distributed. That's not our job. That's oh, no, the I, professional I that. trustee's job. So you discussing but the portfolio I, with me is point, a waste of time. So, But at a certain point, this money is going to have to, like I, I, I plan on buying a house, a certain portion of that. Is, you got no control over that, nor how the money is managed. So your mother takes this money, hires a professional trustee. The trustee hires a fiduciary. It's the fiduciary's problem. And the fiduciary can say, let's get the money out of these annuities. They cash them all in. There's, I don't pay the taxes. It's don't regardless pay the taxes. Of, I don't, it's, it's all based on who the annuitant is assuming that it actually exists this way. So, so you're a beneficiary of the so trust. What it is, is, right. But I, so I guess where it sits right now is I don't think anybody's actually taking a monthly check from any of these. Maybe they're not accounts. supposed to. Have you not read the trust a, document yourself? Uh, my, no, I, I mean personally, no. Yeah, but the see, way it has been interpreted, yeah, it doesn't. Lawyer, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're you're, you're you're barking up a tree that's yeah, and, not going to yield you any fruit. And you talk to your attorneys all day long. The the right. right answer, and by the way, attorneys will talk to you all day long. Oh yeah, uh, oh yeah, oh right? yeah. It's like eighteen cents ching, a ching, ching, uh, ching. eighteen cents oh, a yeah, letter. Right, right. I get um, all that. Yeah, no, so that's the answer to the question. So appreciate the call. No? Yeah, good luck. In, yeah. No. And it's interesting, Pat, how uh, like here's a lot. Like, I've seen that in my own family, not my immediate family, but lawsuits over estates, siblings not talking to one another because they get upset the way state's being handled. Yes. And like this is an interesting situation because you've got a person who's not even a beneficiary to the trust acting as trustee for both her kids as well as other extended family members. It's like you're asking for problems. <laughs> well, they got them. You start at ground zero, turn this whole thing over to professional. This $800,000 in the trust will, 
you end up in litigation over this trust, you want to watch it shrink quickly, that's the way to do it. That's the way to do it. Having people fight. Oh. I, have a, I have a neighbor of mine that is an attorney that specializes in these things. That's what he does. When, it, when it's family members fighting, that's when he steps in. He's a really nice guy. He's probably a pretty good mediator of sorts. Um, but that's the challenge that he enjoys. <laughs> it doesn't sound like fun to me. No, it's like, a it's like right up next to being a divorce attorney. That sounds like a nightmare as well, doesn't yeah, it? But well, frankly, in a, or any sort of litigator. Yeah, good point. Um, wouldn't be my cup of tea. Good point. Good point. I don't really enjoy sparring with people all day long. I do for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. I wouldn't want to do it every right. day. Uh, again, to join the show, 833-99-WORTH. Uh, oh, by the way, in the middle of the session, Scott, we should point out, if you like this podcast, while you're listening to it, you can actually review us while you were listening. You could give us the appropriate number of stars that you believe we deserve. You can make comments. You can forward it to a friend while you are listening to this. You might be driving. You just... Use your knee to steer. Pick up the phone. <laughs> okay. So, Joking on that. Um, we would appreciate it because we're trying to get many, many listeners. Um, our marketing <laughs> people tell us that there will be a tipping point at some point in time. To tip into what? I don't know. The abyss. I mean, we've been doing this 28 years. <laughs> we're just on the verge, Scott. <laughs> we're almost there. <laughs> we're the next Susie Orman. We're, we're so close. I can see it. It's in the horizon. I saw an article in Susie Orman um, that she doesn't dine out. They made it sound like that's how to save money. I'm thinking, well, she probably didn't dine out because she gets sick of people coming up and saying, aren't you Susie Orman? She's still around. Yeah, I understand. I was just thinking, who are you? What, Prince Diane? I don't know. One of the royal family. No, it's that- for money. She thought it was eating out was a waste of money. Of course. Of course it is. There's it's a no, use of money. That's right. It's a use of money. It's not a waste of money. It's a use it's of a money. It's a use of money. I frankly enjoy eating out quite often. Actually, I like eating out at um, mid-range restaurants. Like in Sacramento, there's this- You mean like Chili's? Uh, when the kids were younger, we okay. ate Chili's a lot. Don't be, <laughs> don't be too harsh on the Chili's. But like the Chicago Fire, the pizza place. But the steakhouses, nah, not- Okay. Not, right. not, a, if you want, we could spend more time. Right, no, let's go. Let's go. Let's it. go to the calls here. Let's let's talk with uh, Chris. Chris, you're with Allworth Money Matters. Hi. Good afternoon. Hi. Hi. So uh, my dilemma question is: um, I, I uh, a few years ago, I rolled my 401k into my current employer's 401k. At the time, I was fully vested. Uh, it was about $150,000. How old are you? Um, uh, I am 57. Okay. I Now, my current company is telling me that I cannot touch my 401k. Uh, my wife and I wanted to invest in real estate, and they're telling me that I can't do anything with it. I thought if I were to roll over a certain portion, you know, I would be able to access it in some form or fashion. So you roll from a old transfer. Employee. It was a transfer. You transferred some money from an old 401k Into to this current new- plan. Now your current 401k administrator says, 
Sorry, we don't have any provision for an in-service distribution. Until you're 59 and a half. You need to wait till you're 59 and a half where you retire. Exactly. What's the account value? Uh, It's probably right now, it's about 165. Full account value over the new employer and the old employer to combine. It's 165? 165. How much money do you want to take out? Uh, Well, I was hoping the fully, uh, the initial uh, vested amount, which was the 150. Yeah. Was it this show or last show that I talked about using IRAs? Yeah, that was last show. Using last, where you want these IRAs because they have a broader investment. uh, More flexibility. Yeah, there's not, there's not a lot you can do. Unless you quit. If you quit, you can take the money. But I don't think you want to quit over that. No, I was just hoping that there was something. uh, What, and what real estate were you hoping to buy with this? That's my, that's the bigger question. And well, why were you uh, using the money in the 401k? Uh, we wanted to put in like just a single family rental. Why? Why? Because that was the direction that my wife and I wanted to do um, several rental homes. Have you owned rentals in the past? We have. Do you have other assets that you well, can Well, the use? challenge, so unless you plan on buying a rental with that for 150000 or whatever, um, it's very difficult to have. You can't have debt encumbered on property if you're using, unless you unless you pull the money out and pay taxes and penalties, which would highly discourage you, dude. But if you if you wanted to use a uh, an IRA IRA dollars to own real property, you can't have a loan on that property. So you couldn't use this as a down payment and have a, a traditional mortgage. Is that what you were thinking? Oh, I see what you're saying. So that couldn't be rolled over in a self-directed IRA. Yes. No, it certainly can. Certainly can. And you can buy a piece Real of property. property. You could buy a $160,000 piece of property. But you can't buy a $500,000 piece of property or four and have a loan. It's against the IRA. It's against rules for IRAs, whether it's self-directed okay. or not. Okay. Well, then That's why it's interesting because, Jason, well, like, we, you can... Re- you read some where oh, it's Chris. I'm sorry, Chris. You read about these um, uh, these self-directed IRA. You can do this and that, but the reality is, when it comes push comes to shove, it's. I think it's the worst way to own real estate. And, and by the way, by the way, there's. I could give you another reasons why I would not do it. One is you lose a lot of the tax benefits of actually owning that property, and it's really problematic once you hit age 59. I mean, age 70 two or three or whatever required minimum yeah. distributions. And it's really problematic if you actually have to do repairs to the house and putting money from outside of an IRA into that property itself becomes problematic because it's like making more contributions into your IRA. Unless you own it partially inside the IRA and partially outside the IRA, which is even more problematic in terms of the accounting <laughs> That's for it. Right. It's very complicated. That does sound complicated. I, it is complicated. It, it would be the last place. I would not, I, I got to tell you, if I wanted real estate exposure, I'd do it in my IRA. You can get in real estate. Oh, yeah, yeah. In you your mean, 401k. Like if your 401k has a self-directed brokerage window, you can go out and get real estate exposure inside of the 401k while leaving it in the 401k. Using a real estate investment trust. Using a traded real estate investment trust. And in fact, if you thought it was going to be in properties, there are real estate investment trusts that actually 
specialize in, in residential re- re- rentals in residential rentals not multifamily rentals residential rentals where they buy a thousand oh. homes and they manage it just like they would an apartment complex so if you want that exposure there's a way you could get the exposure inside of your 401k without doing what you want to do now i'm not saying whether i agree with that sort of idea that you should be putting that much exposure but if you wanted it that's how you'd go about getting it okay Does well that thank make sense? you gentlemen i do uh, greatly appreciate it okay right. thanks Chris. thanks for the call it, Jim, Pat, there was an i've had an article in the last week or two on um that so institutional ownership of of individual homes has exploded since the uh the great recession right Yes. So a lot of companies are out there doing it. That's what they specialize in, owning rental homes. Not, to your point, not apartment complexes, but single-family dwellings. But they've, they, I read this article that there's, they're running out of opportunities. Now they're building their own entire neighborhoods. A whole, I read the same article. The whole, actually I skimmed well, the article. Well, they used, to, they used to buy them from builders. So they'd go to a Lennar or a KB Homes or whatever you name it. And, they, and they'd buy inventory. They'd say, okay, we'll buy these 50 homes, especially if those homes aren't moving, which there are periods of times where there'll be little gaps in the market where the homes aren't moving. The institutions would just go in and they're like, we'll take 50 of these things. And then they'd rent them out. And they get favorable deals because the home builder's like, hey, I'd rather sell something for what we know than bet on the come. Yeah, and, and they get favorable financing because it's institutional financing versus a regular homeowner. But then they realize, you know... We could cut the home builders out of this completely, and we're just going to build developments where we are the owners. So we're the builder and the owner of the particular. I just, but I just, I was thinking, like, longer term for that neighborhood, what happens? I, I mean, if I was buying a new home today, and I realized that you had renters on either side, if both there, sides of the house had yeah, renters, and a new. It, not to sound, well, it does sound terrible. I, I no, there's some not renters say, that, that take good care of the property, but, and there's some that don't. That don't, right? Um, and there's some will have quasi-pride of ownership, and some don't really care because it's a rental. Like, I worked with Fried Fred when I was in high school, and he was a cook at a restaurant, Fried Fred. Um, his name was Fred. I don't really. Was it fried because he was a fry cook or because he took too many drugs? Oh, the Both. latter. Oh. <laughs> fried Fred uh, was a renter, and he explained to me how they'd move every 12 months after they destroyed the house um, and ruined their own credit. But there were four of them, so they'd cycle through. And I thought, my gosh, uh, Pat, remember this forever. Never rent a house to Fried Fred if you own a home, a rental home at some point yeah. in the future. Anyway, so, I don't know how we got on that. Day. But to real estate investment, George, your point, you can get real estate exposure. One of the reasons investors don't like that sometimes is because they, they can see the value of it on any particular basis. You mean it on marks, any particular day? It marks the market? As opposed to, well, I don't know. I know Zillow says this, but who can trust those numbers anyway? So it doesn't really matter because. And they just view them differently. That's it's right. All behavioral finance issue. It's not a. That, that's right. People yeah. like rentals because they say, well, they only go up in value. Because they're not going to sell them until they're up in value. <laughs> right? Unless they get repoed because they had too much debt. Yeah. They don't <laughs> always go up in value. Just because it doesn't price on a daily basis doesn't mean it, it doesn't go down in value. Yeah.
Hey, real quick, um, before we move on here, we are hosting, if you'd like to be part of our program, we are hosting a special call-in session. So we'll be in the studio on Martin Luther King Day that afternoon uh, between 3 and 5 Pacific time taking calls. And if you want to join us, mark it on your calendar for one or two. Uh, better Send us an email, questions at moneymatters.com, questions at moneymatters.com, or um, you can call 833-99-WORTH, and we'll schedule a time um, during that, that block. So it'll be fun. We look forward to your calls. Now we want to turn to talk with one of our partners, uh, Brian Murphy, in our Tucson office. And Brian, thanks for taking a little bit of time to chat with us. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Pat. Good to hear your voices. Reconnect. Thank well, you. Thank you. And, and Brian, before we start, I've got to. I've got uh, to thank you. Um, I am um, I'm friends or something with you on LinkedIn, and the articles that you actually post on LinkedIn, um, I read almost every single one of them. And there is no <laughs> other person on LinkedIn where I actually. If there's an article posted, most of them I just blow right past. But when you post an article, I think. All right. So this is Brian Murphy Thank uh, you, with Pat. Allworth Financial in Tucson, Arizona. My guest, Pat, there's going to be some listeners like, well, if Pat really likes reading the articles, maybe I should read the articles. Yes, that's right. That's and right. you talk a lot about behavioral finance uh, issues. I do. And, uh, you know, it, my belief on the articles that I put up on LinkedIn is primarily, you know, you only get to keep what you truly give away. Right. So. If I'm not if, if I'm not really interested in that article and I haven't read it and I don't think it's great, it doesn't go up there. Well, that's good. <laughs> and they're pretty much all related to uh, either retirement income planning or behavioral finance. That's those are my two areas that I uh, I really focus on. And you've been an advisor for how many years? Thirty eight years. Wow. And, and where'd you get your start? Merrill Lynch, nineteen eighty five. And how long did you stay in the brokerage world before you became an independent fiduciary? Thirteen years. By the time by the time nineteen ninety eight rolled around, uh, with, I, that I was done with the the model, the big brokerage model. It was, uh, you know, it's it's just not one that I believe uh, necessarily has the best the client's best interest at heart. And not saying there aren't great people at any big firm, Merrill Lynch included. There are, but there's also a lot of uh, bad things, I think, that go on uh, at those places. And uh, I kind of that's my topic yeah. for today, if you guys are yep. ready for Please. me. Yes, I, mean, yes. I, I, you know, a client story, and, and, and I have a couple, but but let's just say the most recent story. Cl client comes in, they've had a, a multi-decade relationship with uh, Morgan Stanley, they're a little bit concerned about returns. They're not quite getting what they, you know, had hoped for. Um, they haven't had any significant planning work done, and so they're thinking about, you know, retiring. They don't have uh, income plans. They're thinking about doing some more estate planning. It's a second marriage for both parties. They haven't really done that. So basically, the Morgan Stanley advisor is just a, a broker in, you know, many ways the traditional sense. Yeah, and so. Uh, we always request that clients bring their Morgan Stanley statements or whatever their brokerage firm is, and um, and it could be any of the majors because we've experienced it with all of them. And they come in and uh, 
you know, we, we get multiple statements and we start scratching our head a little bit. Well, how come they have two IRAs? And, uh, you know, how come there are, you know, two trust accounts and, you know, so on and so forth. And we start doing our analysis and we start scratching the surface, the surface, and we, and we see a few things. And, and the most recent example that I'll share with you uh, is uh, clients owned American funds for a long time uh, with about, and it's about a three and a half million dollar account, a total relationship. And the American funds are in a, uh, not in a managed account, uh, where the customer is paying a fee, they're in a traditional brokerage account, whereas you guys both know at $750,000, you're well below the million-dollar breakpoint, uh, which is where the sales charge goes to zero. So every time they put new these money are all, in— yeah, These are loaded, they, so these are loaded mutual funds, old school. Loaded mutual funds, yep. yeah. <laughs> they're and still, they're still, still putting— They still use them? They're still at a three and a half million dollar account value. They're still keeping the account, which I would argue, having been in that world, uh, that that account is being managed for the broker's best interest and not the client's. Yeah, well, and it's it's. I didn't know that there were any dollars was still going into front loaded mutual funds. This is twenty twenty four. Not to mention the internal expenses, including the 12B1 fees, which is the ongoing commission that the brokers paid for retaining those assets of 25 basis points or 25 one hundredths of 1%. They're paying 1.5% on every new dollar that goes in, and then the the broker is making you know, the 25 basis points on the rest. And, 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 but the other big key with, with all of these accounts combined is – Essentially, what you had was an overpriced global index fund. Uh, it, they, they did own the globe. I'll give them credit for that. Uh, but they um, did so at a very high cost. And then in both cases, in the, in, in the trust as well as in the IRAs, you had separate accounts that had been carved out that were managed accounts that were you know, managed by some money manager that's approved by, you know, in this case, Morgan Stanley. Uh, but again, it could be any of the majors. And uh, and then you have this other account over here. So one account is a commission-based account, and the other account is a fee-based account. And so you're not deriving the benefit of either scenario as the client because you haven't moved through the million-dollar breakpoint at American funds, and you're paying the maximum fee for gaining access to the money. So he's a fiduciary in the morning and a broker in the afternoon or vice versa. Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly right. And then the other thing which really riles me, and we sit down with the client, and you you look at, and you guys know how this works, but you look at the trades that have happened, and there's always you know, on a couple of managed accounts, you're going to have 10, 20, however many, 30, 40 trades a month. Uh, and, and when you look at the statement, it says, acted as agent, acted as agent, acted as agent. Oh, and no. Which, oh, wow. Well, explain, <laughs> explain to the explain to, Pat and I both look at each other. Oh, explain to the yeah. listeners what that means, please. Right. Yeah, that's what I was going to do. For, for your listeners, that means, so if, if you pick up your Wall Street Journal or your local paper or Barron's, whatever it is, you know, Investor's Business Daily, and you look for every stock that trades, there's a bid and an ask. And what goes in the middle is a spread. And that's the commission that gets paid to the broker for executing the trade. Well, in, in this case, uh, with 
every single one of these accounts, the broker was acting as agent on all the transactions, which means in addition to the fee that they're charging, there's this opaque, undisclosed amount that's going to Morgan Stanley for acting as the agent and getting- I didn't even think that would still be legal. And and making every, so they're making way more than 1%. Or they could be dealing out of their own inventory. Right. Which, you know, as we all know, God forbid it's, you know, there's bonds in there. It's even worse. So, so Brian, so what's interesting to me when you, sorry, Ben, but like what you stated early on on this call, that it's the structure of these firms, right? There's some good advisors there, but they are riddled with so many conflicts. Well, that's why, that's why that industry is shrinking and most of, and and a large portion of industry is growing, is growing the RIA. So, so, so Brian, so let me get this right. So they hire a third party asset manager to direct allocations, but so they've hired a fiduciary as a third party manager. I'm I'm, I'm trying to get this right. And then they're trading as their broker, Morgan Stanley. And Morgan Stanley's making money on every trade, even though the fiduciary is getting paid a fee. Is that correct? Correct. Correct. Where they could decide that they're just going to go to the lowest price uh, broker in all markets and decide who's going to fulfill on that. But aren't they violating their fiduciary duty by actually placing all the trades with that single broker? Well, th- I think that's a question for your friends at the SEC, and I'm not qualified to answer that. I, I would but think if I were qualified, my answer would be yes. Th- that is because what happens is you want to actually, if you're a fiduciary, you want to go to best execution, especially if you're right. a third party asset manager. I didn't even know this. No, still, we both know there's probably some craftily worded document that they signed Disclosure. that said on occasion it's okay for you know, uh, Merrill Lynch, Morgan Stanley, UBS, whoever to act as agent on your, for your benefit. I haven't, I got to tell you, I have, uh, uh, well, I haven't taken on new clients in a number of years. Uh, so I have not, this is not uncommon though. Wait, right. Very common. What you just, what you, what you witnessed with this new client is not uncommon. And look, I encourage our listeners, like if you haven't had a second opinion in a while, just get a second opinion from an independent advisor. Just, because what you uncovered, Brian, two major issues in my mind. One is buying a loaded mutual funds. American funds, that's how they started with the loaded mutual funds. But the industry has changed dramatically the last couple of decades. They also have institutional class funds that the costs are dramatically lower, that there's no commission when someone buys that could be offered to the client, right? That's to me, one. That's, and then the second is there's a compensation received on the trades when they're, that they're acting as a fiduciary. I'm going to give you a third, Scott. They're paying uh, as much money as they would pay for full financial advice, and well, they're not receiving more. it. So they're going to go to Brian, and Brian, you're going to clean this all up and then give them that estate planning, tax planning advice? Absolutely. I mean, that you know that's what we do, create an income plan with discipline, holding short-term bonds, holding things that are good for people that need income over the next, you know, however many years and uh, allocating some portion of it to the equity markets and other things that uh, make sense for longer term growth. But but taking the risk out of the portfolio, particularly on the eve of retirement um, and also, you know, the analysis that we did without even really sinking our teeth into it, we really felt comfortable that with our published fee schedule 
and the additional cost that they were paying, et cetera, that we were going to save them at least $50,000 a year, including our fee. Wow. And and not to mention and you you said <laughs> you said it's a second marriage. And they, the large firms don't they state we cannot provide tax advice. And 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 Brian, you stated that they were uh, second marriage uh, children from previous marriage. Correct. Which is a which by the way, if you've got any assets at all and you're in that position, you need some quality estate planning uh, advice. Um, it that's just the, right. I mean, you looked at it and you're like. My guess is you said, have you addressed this issue? What was the answer? Well, of, of course, yes, that's really significant. And here we are on the eve of, uh, you know, the current tax laws expiring at the end of December 2025, when the line at your favorite estate planning attorney's office is going to be really that's long. Right. And how long are you going to wake up to that? If I don't tell you now that it's time to update your trust and you don't set that all of that up and, and build a relationship with an estate planning attorney, if you are looking for one in June of 25, you're not going to find one. That is correct. Yeah. Be so busy, they, they're not going to be able to help you. They are only going to work with their existing clients. So, uh, Brian, thank you as yeah. always for being a great part of the team and for those that are on LinkedIn, there you go. I would suggest that you uh, I friend Find or them. follow or something on connect. LinkedIn. Connect. <laughs> it's connect. 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 I there you go. Connect. <laughs> on LinkedIn. All, all these different things have something to yeah. yeah. Brian, what's your middle? Is your middle initial in your LinkedIn profile? Uh, I don't think Brian Murphy Allworth. Brian Murphy Allworth. You'll find it. Brian Murphy Allworth. Thanks, Brian. I'm up there, and you know, I'm actually wearing a tie and a suit jacket. So look at you. All those younger people on LinkedIn. (laughs) What Uh, was it? (laughs) Identify the old guys by the tie. (laughs) (laughs) And you've got a good haircut, very similar to mine. So (laughs) I take it down to nothing every day. (laughs) Thanks, Brian. Happy to hear you. Thanks. Hey, we're about out of time here. So much appreciate everyone uh, taking part. Just want to let people know uh, we've got a financial planning virtual event uh, uh, that you can participate in at allworthfinancial.com. It's essentially five must-know strategies for building a confident financial plan. And during this virtual event, you're going to learn how to calculate your retirement income needs, some kind of simple ways to calculate that, some approaches to investment management, so kind of overview there, and then also how to potentially save thousands on future tax filings. So it's really with an eye on taxes as well. At the three different times, Wednesday, January 24th at noon Pacific, Thursday, January 25th, noon Pacific, and Saturday, January 27th at 9 a.m. Pacific time. You'll get all the de- more details and to register, simply go to allworthfinancial.com forward slash workshops. Another great education source for you. So um, with all the time we've had, it's been great having you with us. This has been Scott Hansen and Pat McLean of Allworth Financial. This program has been brought to you by Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence. 